0: 288. Come home from work, all those crazy things that happen at work, then you come home and you find peace. Day by day, 299, pages, day by day, number 299.
1: Revelation chapter 2, it's kind of unusual or maybe of divine appointment that we sing that song because this chapter is about a church that is known for its suffering and for the tribulation that it went through. Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Revelation 2, verses 8 through 11. Let's read the verses together, or at least read it and follow with me, please. Verse number 8, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive, I know thy works, and tribulation, and poverty, but thou art rich, I know thy blasphemy of them which say they are Jews, and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan, fear not uh, fear none of those things which shall, thou shalt suffer, behold the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful to death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Now this is a two-part lesson because these short verses will have to be covered in two parts because of the, the things that are going on in these verses. Let me just cover a few things tonight. First of all... Uh, Tonight is about the city, it's about the church, and it's about the communication of the Lord to this church. Uh, The city built in the 4th century, this would be Smyrna, and uh, the idea, like Ephesus, it was an ideal place, an ideal port city, a coastal city of trade, small harbor protected from bad weather, also an easy Easy way to protect itself from enemy vessels coming in because they just tie a chain from end to end and block any ships coming in. So a very convenient place. Uh, On the hillside of Smyrna, you could see all these glistening temples, public buildings, and homes around. And uh, it was a hub of science and medicine. Many thought at the time that Smyrna was the loveliest city of Asia. Well, that's just a matter of opinion, I suppose, but because of all the sights and the sounds and the things that they could experience, this was an ideal place to to live and to do business. Uh, however, there's a lot of temples there in Smyrna, sometimes called worship centers, to Zeus, Apollo, and Aphrodite. And here's what you learned so far in just a brief introduction about the city of Smyrna and the church as we shall soon, uh, soon come up upon them. In 2 Timothy 3, 7, it says, this ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth that tells me that even though a city is really emphasizing education and science even though they have nice facilities even though they have a nice natural surrounding the way that the port city was you still have this element of not knowing the true god rather they have built edifices and temples worship centers to false gods and false deities to me that's always interesting how people can be very wise in a lot of things of this world and yet they're really kind of blind when it comes to spiritual truth that's about the city so far let's look at the church the church at Smyrna now the word Smyrna the word Smyrna means suffering it comes from myrrh but uh, there's only two churches of the seven churches of Asia Minor that were never criticized by Jesus Christ only two of seven churches that will be Philadelphia Not one word of common, uh, uh, negative word was said about them. Uh, Words like, however, I have somewhat against thee, was not said against Philadelphia and against this church, Smyrna. That tells us that these two churches were great churches in many ways, and they were doing some things to please their Lord. And so that's what that indicates to us. Now he says in verse number 9, 2-9, I know thy works, as he does know all about the churches of Asia Minor, and of course churches today as well. I know that works in tribulation and poverty. Again, Smyrna means myrrh. It comes from the word myrrh. It means bitter. Bitter. Bitterness. This church is known for the trials and tribulations that it would experience. And they would experience still more to come after John passes from the scene. It endured persecution, suffering, and death in John's day uh, at the hands of pagan Rome. At the hands of pagan Rome. Uh, You had by this time... Pagan worship, yes, but you also had emperor worship. Every year, citizens of Roman Empire would have to get a pinch of incense and an image of the Caesar, sprinkle it and honor Caesar. And so imagine the pressure for these Christians at this time to not conform, but they had to do that. A lot of them were forced to do that, but of course uh, they Did not because they suffered and even died for their stand for Jesus Christ. They also had persecutions from the Jews that were circumcised. They were physical Jews of Abraham, but were not circumcised of the heart. Therefore, they resisted, resented, and hated these converted Jews and even Christians. And so the large Jewish population just gave them a really difficult time every day there in Smyrna. They would report to the Roman authorities... If there were some christians that did not give incense on in a particular day uh, to the caesar i can imagine someone telling on you your neighbor reporting you to the authorities uh, this is almost like communist china one time we visited nathan christian i don't know how many years ago but uh we went through the the routine of uh, going through immigration and then we got to the part of beijing east beijing where nathan was living we had to register with the police department uh, what's that all about well they have to know who's there so i had to show passports I had to show visa I had to show where it's going to stay for the duration how long we going to stay are you really going to stay here they almost didn't believe you mm-hmm. and so i asked jayton has walked back from the police department toward his apartment do they actually follow up he says not sure but sometimes they might but well, one day during that week uh, jack and i caught up to you um, crashed out on the couch and uh, I'm having a good nap in the afternoon, knock on the door, Uh, Joseph goes to the door and it's uh, Chinese looking people, imagine that, in China, Chinese looking people. And uh, they're asking, uh, is so-and-so here, meaning me? And Joseph said, yes. And then they asked Joseph, does he sleep here? Meaning, is he staying here? And of course I was taking a nap, so Joseph was, uh, yes, he's sleeping here. I was taking a nap. And so they said, oh, thank you, just checking. And they took off. Well, I guess they're checking out. They're using the locals. They're using civilians, not the police department, to do their errands for them. And I suppose uh, that was what it's like back in Smyrna. People reporting on Christians not complying with the burning of the incense once a year to the Caesar. A lot of persecution going on there. And so, in also in verse number 10. Not only was it going on in John's time, it would go on after John died. Verse number 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Now, another source of persecution besides um, the unsaved Jews, pagan Rome, would be the devil himself giving trouble to these Christians, another source of persecution. Have you ever thought, why is it that Christians always get blamed for things that go wrong in government, in civilian life? If something bad happens, blame the Christian. They all seem to be the fall guy. It's kind of common, and even in our time, to see Christians take the fall or get blamed and get accused for something that didn't go right. And so it kind of goes back for centuries, it seems. And so he said, tribulation in 10 days, now, there's a lot to say about the 10 days of tribulation because that really speaks about after this. It may speak about historically 10 Roman emperors that gave the Christians persecution, extreme persecution. It could stretch out into church history from the 1st century, 2nd century, 3rd century on until the rapture where you have persecution of Christians just because the devil isn't behind all of that. He tells them, be thou faithful unto death. And so that tells us, as you read the verses for what it says, that tells us that sometimes the Lord did not deliver His saints from death. It tells us sometimes that He allowed them for His purposes to be beheaded, to die. Now, do you remember another account in the book of Acts in which there were two men that were jailed? One was killed. The other one was let go. You remember who these two men were? In Acts chapter twelve, James was killed, and Herod was going to say, "Okay, that that makes me feel good because everybody's cheering me. I'm going to get Peter, put him in prison. He was the next one in line." And so sometimes the Lord just allowed His saints to be martyrs. Now, to the unsaved man or to the Christian who's not studying the Bible. He might think, well, that's pretty cruel of God to let his saints be executed. Why would God who loves everyone, especially his saints, not deliver them from something like this? Well, I don't know, but I know one thing. He did say, be thou faithful unto death. And so at the point of a sword, at the point of a gun, at the point of denying Christ, he says, all right, you be faithful to death. And so uh, can Roman emperors, perhaps... But look at chapter two, verse number eight. Let's begin at verse number eight. A verse i like to read to you as the Lord speaks to the church at um, Smyrna. And unto the angel of the was in Smyrna write, verse eight, these things said the first and the last, that be the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, which was dead and is alive. Now the communication from the Lord, he begins to address this suffering church by reminding them that he himself had suffered the first and the last, which was dead. Well, how did he die? He was crucified, yet he is alive. And so unlike other founders of religions, unlike other men in human history that began something, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, very different from other men because he rose from the dead. And he encourages this church that is suffering by referring to his own death and resurrection. Uh, His death was not in vain. He's really saying to them, so too will your death not be in vain. Somehow they will be down to the glory of God, 2 Corinthians 4.15. Hard to understand everything, but we're not called to understand everything. We're called to believe what the Bible says. Yeah. And He said unto them that if I don't deliver you from death, you be faithful unto death. If you have to give your life, then, then you just keep trusting me. The persecuted church then is not to be viewed as, uh, oh, poor church, or the Lord abandoned them, or they believed in vain, the Lord didn't help them. Where was God when they really needed Him? No, that's not the attitude to have. The attitude is that the church that suffered for Jesus Christ, the church of Smyrna, this persecuted church, really was a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. Faithful to Christ unto the end. I'm not sure if modern Christianity can really appreciate that or understand that, we could look at historical books, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and think about the persecution that many saints endured first century onward, through the Roman emperors, through pagans, through religious people who just could not stand uh, the fact that these people are talking about a man who died for them and rose from the dead. That's not possible. They believe this, but they're not going to convert us, and so they persecuted these good Christians. And so, how is it possible for the world to understand that? I'm not sure if even some Christians understand that. But they are a sweet savor unto God. And what really matters here is what the Lord thought about that. Now, you have the word myrrh. Smyrna. Smyrna. Now, myrrh, there's a usage of myrrh in the Bible. Let me think a few minutes about that one. Myrrh has a usage in the Bible. Uh, if you would come to Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30. And I'll go ahead and read the verses. This is to explain to us and to show us that myrrh was used in the Old Testament as part of the anointing oil. It was mixed with other ingredients and to make the anointing oil. Begin at verse number 22. Now, I could just give the reference, read the words to you, but I'd like you to see it as well. Verse 22. Moreover, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take thou also unto thee principal spices of pure myrrh, 500 shekels, and of sweet cinnamon, half so much, even 250 shekels, and of sweet calamus, 250 shekels, and cassia, 500 shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary, and of oil olive, a hen. And thou shalt make it an oil of holy anointment, uh, ointment, an ointment compound after the art of the apothecary. It shall be a holy anointing oil. And thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation wherewith, that be the furniture and the utensils, Mentioned there in verse twenty-six and twenty, and number twenty-six and thirty. And number 30, verse number thirty says, "And thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons, and consecrate them, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office." So the consecration of the tabernacle, its furniture, its um, utensils, and also the priest was with a mixture of certain oils—olive oil, cinnamon, sweet calamus, cassia, and pure myrrh. That's what it was used for. In Psalm 45, there's another Bible reference to the word myrrh and its usage. Psalm 45. And all this has a bearing upon the church of Smyrna. Psalm 45, verses 6 through 9. Tells us, verse 6. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hidest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Verse 8, all thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces, there's a song about that, whereby they have made thee glad. So the fragrant aroma, the good sweet smell that came on a king's garment when the Lord returns, it be mixed with myrrh. Well, there's a verse that we're gonna look at earlier, uh, uh, coming soon, where there's no myrrh when the Lord comes back. That verse reminded me about that. I may have contradicted myself, but the king, the king, he had the smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia. Now, Esther, remember Esther, as the ladies were getting ready to be presented before the king? You know that great story? Well, they had to prepare and be made ready for presentation before the king. Now when every maid turn was come to go into the King Ahasuerus, after that she had been twelve months, that's a pretty long stretch to get ready. Mm-hmm. According to the men of the women, for so were the days of their purifications accomplished to wit, six months with oil of myrrh, and six months with sweet odors, and with other things for the purifying of women. Everything had to be perfect before the king, the complexion, of skin, how they how they even um, had a certain, what do you call that word when, uh, is, it, is it pheromone or something like that? There's certain, something like that. Had to be just right. And part of it was the oil of myrrh. Now, when it comes to myrrh being a symbol of suffering and bitterness, in John 19, they anointed the body of Jesus with a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a 100 pound weight, John 19:39. Now, I want you to see 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 15. This verse speaks more about the Smyrna church indirectly, but still, it makes the point that what appears to be a loss is really a blessing to the Lord. 2 Corinthians 2.15 Now, thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge, by us in every place. Verse 15. For we are unto God a sweet savour of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the saviour of death unto death and to the other the saviour of life unto life and who is sufficient for these things. In connection to the suffering saints of Smyrna God is saying what you see is really not all that there is. All you can see at the Church of Smyrna was loss, suffering, and death, poverty. But the Lord says, because they're faithful to me, I see that as a sweet Savior into my nostrils. It's a blessing to me that these good Christians, these saints, did not split the Lord's of between Aphrodite and the Caesars and to me. They would not share Worshipping the true God with false deities and he says I smell that I see that and I will reward them for that now It says that they are a sweet servant unto Christ And so he was pleased with the sacrifice Instead of bowing to the Lordship of Caesar that bowed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ now I want you to come back to verse number nine to nine I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. Now, it's very interesting that he says this church had nothing materially. They have poverty. Their poverty is not because they didn't want to work or they were lazy, the poverty has something to do with them being persecuted because of tribulation. And he says, I know all of that, and you are in poverty. But then he says this in parentheses. Do you see it there in your Bible? And poverty, parentheses, but, but, but. Thou art rich. Thou art rich. He says, you have nothing. The church is friendly, you, you have nothing. You, you have nothing to brag about or to glory in. You have nothing material like the others have. He says, you are in poverty. But then the Lord says, but. Now he didn't do this, but. But really, but thou art rich. You know, the Laodicean church was just the opposite. The Laodicean church said that they've got everything. They have everything. They don't need anything. And the Lord says, don't you know that you folks are naked and poor and wretched? Just the opposite. The Laodicean church had a lot of material blessings. They had a lot of things, a lot of things, a lot of And whatever you want to read into that, they had a lot of things. They were rich. And the Lord says, okay, you don't really need me, do you? Okay, you don't really see how really destitute you are, although you have all these things. Smyrna, Church of Smyrna, you're in poverty. But really, stop and think about this, Church of Smyrna. I look at you as rich. They have some great blessings that the world cannot appreciate and understand. Now, I have to tell you this: that it is not wrong to have riches. It is not wrong to have things. The Church of Edessa was not chastised for having wealth they are scolded for for not putting the Lord first they They're scolded for for sacrifice everything to have all these things and that might be to me my thinking that's how modern Christianity seems to be emphasis on things emphasis on stuff emphasis on a lot of things you can handle uh, of course uh, we have to throw into this mix these so called Uh, evangelists that need to buy another 55 million dollar jet because the last one the last model two years ago is kind of outdated, you know, we need to upgrade. We need you see that's 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 crazy That's extreme extreme that is abusive and uh, Well, I gotta go minister over here. So I need another jet really don't you just catch a commercial flight Catch coach class or something like that. They never do that And so that is uh, I got all these things got rich, rich now when you watch these things on TV you have to think certain things. You say, first of all, that's not Christianity. You say that's not Christianity. A lot of people see that and say, "Wow, I want that. That's the kind of Christian I want. I just confess something. I get everything I want." And uh, they think that the sign of God's blessings is the material blessings that they can see and touch. Um, I'm not sure how people can go to Joel Osteen's church for years and not see how 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 dry and how empty. It really is. There's nothing there. It seems because all they talk about is God has His best for you. Now, whatever you dream, God wants to give to you. Is that right? What about if you're dreaming about doing something wrong? What about your aspiration is to do some evil? You think that God is in with that plan? And so a lot of things wrong about that. The later seeing church, they had a lot of stuff, but they didn't have what God wanted to have spiritual blessing. The church of Smyrna, on the other hand, they had nothing. They had nothing. But the Lord says thou art rich now you have to look at this and take it in his perspective what really matters is not what others think what really matters is what God thinks mm, that's right and even though in this modern kind of generation of Christians that we are all, all experiencing where everything is about the dollar it's about material it's about this about stuff uh, we better be careful not to get out of balance and say that God's blessing because we have a lot of stuff. On the other hand, it's not a sign of blessings if you have nothing too. Remember the story in Luke 16, the true account of the men who died, the rich man died and in hell lifted his eyes, the beggar died and in hell left his eyes, the beggar went to paradise, Abraham's bosom. You know he didn't go there because he was in poverty? You know the rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich? There's no condemnation for them having money or not having money. He was not spiritual because he was poor he was not evil because he was rich. They didn't say was not bad because they had a lot of stuff. There's a there's a disregard for, for God and spiritual things. That's what made them rich or poor. And so you want to be sure that you see life from God's viewpoint, from God's perspective, and have things in balance. You need to have money so you can carry out your daily life, take care of your family. You need to have money to do a lot of important necessary things. It's just the way it goes. And then you need to not make money your God, not trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God what like Paul uh, told Timothy and to his congregation. And so you need both. If you have to choose between one or the other, choose being rich with God, but you don't want to be in poverty. And so you've got to have some balance about all of this. Now come to First Peter chapter four. four, First Peter chapter four. the scripture here seems to be written for the Smyrna church but it wasn't 1 Peter four twelve, beloved think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you don't, don't be caught off guard if you have persecution verse 13 but rejoice huh what are you kidding rejoice and fiery trials come Rejoice verse 13 inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings Well, that's a clue as to what to expect in the life of a Christian Now in our modern times We don't have that type of persecution that they did here in the first century and onward But you have to remember that the life of a Christian if you follow Christ You follow His footsteps and they hated me. They will hate you too. I have to tell you this you don't have to go out of way to be ugly, hateful, to be hated. That just adds persecution to you unnecessarily. But if you live the life of a Christian, oftentimes that will cross others who don't see things the way the Bible portrays things. And you will be the object of scorn just because you're obeying the Bible. Just live right and trouble comes to you. Don't go out of way of making trouble. It will already come to you. Just take a little good position on moral things on spiritual things and you watch people talk about you in the lunchroom there's there's a lot of fear about people laughing at other people the fear of man bringing the snare so if you're a christian you have to be careful not to open your big mouth in the workplace because there are some courtesies and considerations some rules to obey and so on like that it's just smart to not be so don't be a john the baptist in the workplace but there's times in which you're asked a question. There's a time in which you have a chance to say things when you're not on the clock so so-called, and you say things that, and you respond to things and your response to something might be a biblical principle that you're responding to about an issue. And then you get scorned because you said something as innocent as that. So I'm not talking about going and getting on, stepping onto the desk and getting a megaphone and preaching to everybody while you work. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just living a good uh, a decent life and going to work like you're supposed to and mind your own business like you're supposed to and then something comes up You respond to innocently and then sometimes you get you get flack for that That happens So I would never I would never advocate someone Breaking the law breaking the rules, especially in the workplace. And uh, you know, it's gonna happen You know, it's gonna happen You're gonna get you're gonna get trashed. You're gonna get you're gonna get uh, on the web real fast and people are going to talk about you but all i can say is uh just don't do stuff that will bring problems to you unnecessarily but if it's going to be standing for christ then you take your stand for christ you know this bumper sticker that has this multi um images logos uh, buddha shinto Hari krishna new age all these kind of things cross and then all these kind of different things on a bump sticker now i don't have any bump sticks in my car because I know how people are. They will damage your car just because they see something they object to. So I don't have any bumper stickers. Back in the 70s, it was a good thing to have bumper stickers. Everybody, you know, honk if you love Jesus or, you know, something like that. And you didn't get any outward expressions of hate so openly like you do today. And so I don't have bumper stickers on my car. But um, sometimes I respond to things because I'm asked a question. What if somebody asked you this question? Okay, uh, so... I'm taking religion class and my religion professor tells me that all religions are the same. What do you think about that? Now, how do you answer that? All religions are the same in a religion class. This happens at LCC, this happens at any school of higher education, higher learning. In a religion class, they're gonna ask the question, is one religion better than another? Is there only one way to have peace in eternity? Now you're a a Christian in the classroom. People raise their hands, and you get all kinds of answers. And uh, all the answers are going to be kind of appealing to everybody else, and they're going to have answers that are kind of generic. And you say, "No." (gasps) Air gets sucked out of the room. What did you say? I'm just answering a question. Do you believe the orbit is the same? No. They all turn, look at you, and they talk what's wrong with you all of a sudden your friends turn on you and say what's wrong with you i didn't know you didn't believe that well, what's wrong with you? Well, what, what do you mean by that well i believe that jesus christ the son of god is the savior of the world well that's all you said boo 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 have you ever watched um these young american groups that go around travesty and college campuses um they're young people they're in the 30s and 40s they're sharp people they're articulate and they go to college campus, they give a speech, they give a debate, and to keep, they're just very, very thick. They're good conservative people. Uh, I think it's called Young Conservatives of America, something like that. Uh, ben Shapiro and others, Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh um, has been known lately for asking the question, what is a woman? Now you need to watch some of that just to see yeah. the hate he gets because of the simple question. The sociology professors, they just, They just. okay, interview's over. What? Interviews over, and they just turn on someone who disagrees with them. For the Christian, you don't have to be really ugly to get trouble. Just answer a question honestly, you get into trouble. You get kicked off a team. You get you lose your job. All kind of things can happen just because you answer that question honestly. Is there only one God? Mormons would say, no, there's a lot of gods. There's a council of the gods. The Christians say, the Bible says there's only one true God. Ooh. and off you go you drag up the stage don't be surprised he says if you face fiery trials as though some strange thing happened unto you rejoice verse 13 "Inasmuch as much you are partakers of Christ's suffering that when his glory shall be revealed ye may also uh, you may be glad also with exceeding joy so there's a second thing that happens besides the obvious the burning at the stake the crucifixion the beheading, the burning of your house, with the family inside the house, the doors are locked, uh, all this stuff comes along. And he says that's only one part of it. The other part is that you are partakers of Christ's suffering. As he suffered, the Christian suffers too. We suffer in different ways, not as the others suffered in Hebrews eleven, unto blood, but we do have some form of persecution, not to that extreme. When his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, verse 14, happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of God rested upon you. And on their behalf, he was spoken of, but on your behalf, on your part, he is glorified. So here's what we're going to say. Here's what I'm going to say. Was the Lord hated for being a criminal? No. Was he hated for being a hypocrite? No. Was he hated for no not at all was he righteous yes was he always right yes did he sin no was he sinless yes and so likewise the christian uh, because he is trying to live right by the bible he also be persecuted like christ was persecuted and so that's why peter says don't be surprised think it not strange and so simply being a christian i say once again living up to his name will get you into some friction Now, I want to say this, in Matthew 2, when the wise men came, this is about the the myrrh. In Matthew 2, when the wise men came, they brought gifts to Jesus, and when they opened the treasures and presented them gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay, gold, frankincense, okay, maybe befitting for a king, for sure, but the myrrh, what's that all about? It seems to be a foreshadowing about his coming suffering as a man, as a savior and so spoke about his humanity and his suffering to come now listen to this In Mark 15 and they bring him unto the place of Golgotha which is being interpreted the place of a skull and they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh but he received it not myrrh is then used as an uh, analgesic to uh, to, kill, to tone down to, to, to lessen the pain that he was suffering and so myrrh suffering it all goes on Jesus' first coming, Jesus' first coming, myrrh is always present, it seems, from from his birth until his crucifixion. Now, I refer to one more reference, Isaiah 60. This is about his second coming. Arise, shine, for thy light cometh, and the glory of the Lord is risen among thee. Now, the first six verses talks about the brightness of thy rising, and in verse number six, it says this, the multitude of camels shall cover thee, The dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, and all they from Sheba shall come, they shall bring gold and incense, and they shall show forth thy praises of the Lord. At his first coming, gold, frankincense, myrrh. At his second coming, gold, incense, no myrrh. I find that pretty significant. I'm emphasizing the myrrh part of Smyrna. And there's no more mentioned when he comes at the second time. When he comes at the second time, he's not coming to suffer. Yeah. He's not coming to be hurt. He's not coming to be pierced in his side or in his hands. He's coming the second time to judge. Yes. And so the not having any myrrh at the second time is very significant. And meantime, though, everyone who is waiting for his return at the rapture, they're still subject to suffering still subject to persecution still subject to until the Lord comes back Uh, thankfully we live in America and though we think we're losing our rights and our privileges and our freedoms we still have freedoms but other countries do not North Africa Morocco North Vietnam China many other communist countries there is no freedom religious freedom and it's much harsher than we can ever imagine. I'm not sure how um, that Martyrs Magazine has pictures of these suffering Christians, but I'll take for granted that what they're portraying is accurate and uh, to this day, we have people who are Christians in another country suffering and losing their lives because of Jesus Christ. Now you want to remember that we still have sufferings and persecutions until Jesus returns it will still happen the church of Smyrna was suffering and it would still come to them even after John died in the first century you need to brace yourself and, and steal steal your spiritual spine to not expect an easy life as a Christian one of the most dangerous things that you can hear on TV is that it's a life of prosperity a life of good health a life of wealth that is such a lie Mm -hmm. such a wrong kind of gospel that people are hearing that first time something bad goes happen to a christian they fall apart they're just not prepared for the tribulation that will come to the life of a christian and so that's a bit about the church of smyrna the lord says you're so poor but that's okay in my eyes in my eyes thou art rich ladies here you got everything you need you think but you are poor wretched and blind you are in bad shape you look good on the outside but you're in horrible shape from what I can see Smyrna don't look good for you on the outside but that's okay there's glory for you coming you're rich and so I guess one overarching thought would be it depends on what you're looking at. You better look at what God sees over what man sees and put value upon what God sees over what man thinks. Live a life of integrity, live a life of character, be right before God, and just let things take place. You will never be in the wrong if you live like that. Just don't suffer as a busybody, as a murderer, or as an even doer. Sometimes people say, Oh, Pastor Gene, can you pray for me? Yeah, what's up? Oh, you know, um, I'm broke. You're broke? How come you're broke? Oh, I don't know. Bad investments, such as. I went to Vegas. (laughs) You went to Vegas? Yeah, what'd you do? Oh, I felt lucky, so I went there and I played the slots and I lost everything. Oh. Now, what do you do in a case like that? How do you pray for someone like that? Pray for me. Okay, here's the prayer lord help me not to go there again lord help me not to go to vegas again just read online news hawaii news now a lady won four hundred thousand dollars plus because she wanted vegas oh she felt so good the article was so positive but you know you have people that are desperate to say oh i'm going to go there next hey can i borrow some money so you can fly to vegas why well we know why no 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 and so uh, sometimes we have got to be careful not to bring bring pain that is self-inflicted these good christians of Smyrna did not bring upon them own, their own selves persecution they just lived for christ for Christ as a christian should and uh, the lord the lord says the lord says you're so poor because of the tribulation persecution you lost everything but that's okay you're really rich you just wait and see you're going to see how rich you are. Okay? All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for letting us open the Bible tonight for a little bit. And we pray that you help these things to be encouraging and strengthening to all of us. Those who watch my video and those who are here, we pray that you help us to remember what you see, what you think, and what you know. is more important than what people think they know. And so, Lord, help us to be faithful. We don't want to say that we hope to be faithful to death like the lord told the church at smyrna but in many other ways less severe we need to just be faithful and uh, we pray you help us to be honoring to you in our lives each day i pray in jesus name amen